Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. As we get ready to begin, I, I've got to tell you, I'm not sure how Brother John preaches three times in a row every week. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm pretty tired from the first two, and uh, my, my throat is saying ouch at this point. Uh, I do want to tell you how happy my family and I are to be uh, with you here at, at First Baptist Church of Flora. I want you to know that uh, we never have ever experienced such love and encouragement as we have from your church family. I mean, the cards and the, the prayers and, and the gift cards and all the things that you've given us and the words of encouragement have just meant so much to us. So thank you for allowing us to come and be a part of what, what you're doing here, what God is doing here, and we're excited about what He'll allow us to be a part of in the future. I do want to uh, introduce some folks to you this morning. Uh, my wife, Debbie, here on the right, and our daughter, Allie, and there's, uh, there's a guy sitting beside Allie that y'all haven't had a chance to meet yet. Uh, that's her fiancé, Tyler Hall, when we came to be a part of your church family. Tyler was at uh, basic training over in Texas, and he's been gone for how long, Allie? Four months. She had it down to the day and the minute and the hour when we met him at the airport this week. But Tyler's back home, and we're excited that he's back here. My daughter is exceptionally excited that he's back home. And I hadn't seen her smile that much in a long time. Uh, Tyler and Allie will be married here in January, and we're looking forward to that and looking forward to what, what God has for them. I also have my brother-in-law, Steve Ingram, visiting with us today. And Steve, thank you for being here as well. Thank you all for being here. Today we want to look at a passage of Scripture in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, <clears throat> verses 18 through 22. Matthew 4, 18 through 22. Before we begin, I want to preface what we're going to look at by talking a little bit about something that I was involved in when I was a young guy. Back in the day, Southern Baptists had a program called Discipleship Training. How many of you remember discipleship training? How many of you don't remember discipleship training? You don't have to raise your hand, but it's, it's usually the, the older folks, my age folks, who remember discipleship training and then the younger folks that, that don't. Gil Powell had this hanging in his office, and this is the uh, tablet, I guess, that we used to record the folks who came to discipleship training. And Gil found that somewhere around here, and I said, boy, I'd like to use that as a prop. The reason being, when I was growing up, that's what we did. That's how we were discipled. We went to discipleship training. For me, it was 6 p.m. on Sunday afternoon before 7 p.m. church. Well, I was in a group with 7th through 12th grade boys. And do I need to say more? 7th through 12th grade boys. And i got to tell you, there wasn't much discipling going on in that group. We, we spent more time cutting up and misbehaving. And uh, I guess if the teachers listen, please forgive me <laughs> for behaving like I did back in the day. But fortunately, that wasn't the only discipleship model in my life. I'm thankful that my parents saw to it that we were in church every time the doors were open, and they took the Word of God and they explained Scripture to me, and they helped me understand what it meant to share and to give and to love other people, and I'm so thankful for that. My dad served as a deacon for a number of years, and my mom was a life group leader, and they often told me why the Scripture said we're to do this, and they expected me to obey. And often I did. We lived next door to my grandmother, and my granny uh, loved to sit on the front porch every afternoon and read her Bible. I walked to school most of the time because we were a small community. The school was just down the road. 
And pretty much every afternoon when I was coming home, my granny would see me making my way down the road and she'd wave and then she would do this. And I knew that meant, come over here and uh, talk to me a minute. Well, pretty much once or twice or three times a week, I would go and listen to my grandma. She had her Bible in her lap and she'd already been reading. And she began to explain to me what she had read. And I'm so thankful for that discipleship model that was in my life. I had a uh, pastor during these days that, uh, that really impacted my life. His name is Tommy Anderson. And I think Tommy's still alive. He's serving out in Lake Mississippi. And Tommy made a huge impact on my life. Tommy was a big, strong guy. And he loved to, to laugh and to joke and have a good time. And Tommy often talked about the importance of serving other people. Now he'd preach, a, he'd preach a message on serving people. And then he would talk to you about it. And then he would expect you to do it. And I remember many Sundays, Tommy would say to the congregation, okay, church is over, go get something to eat and put your work clothes on and meet me over at a certain person's house. We did that a number of times. And not, not only did Tommy talk about it, he was actually over there doing it. So I learned firsthand that you can talk the talk, but you also got to walk the walk. And I'm thankful that Tommy blessed me. There were a number of other people in my life who impacted my life, professors and at college and seminary, also um, teachers and, and many, many people that have helped me understand what it means to, to follow God and to follow closely. Today we're going to look at the discipleship strategy that, that Jesus used and how He trained and equipped His disciples. And then we're going to make some application to our own lives. So let's look at our, our text today, Matthew 4, 18-22. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word? <clears throat> and walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called to them, and immediately they left the boat, they left their father, and they followed him. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for what it teaches us. Father, help us to hear from you today. Help us to apply what we've learned. In Jesus, I pray. Amen. When we look at the, the Gospels, we can see clearly that Jesus used the words, follow me, again and again and again. In fact, there's at least 20 times when Jesus said, follow me. One of those times is when he found a tax collector sitting at the tax booth. And he said to that tax collector, I want you to stop doing what you're doing. I want you to return whatever you've taken from people and then come and follow me. And of course, that was Matthew. Matthew did exactly that. He followed Jesus. In Matthew 16, Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And then Jesus said in John 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Unfortunately, not everybody that Jesus called obeyed. Not everyone that Jesus said, follow me, followed. There's a very familiar passage in Matthew 19 that talks about a rich young ruler. You know the story. The, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, Master, what must I do to be saved? And, and Jesus said, well, you, you know the law. You know the commandments. The guy said, well, I've done all that. I've already done all that. And Jesus said, there's one more thing. One more thing. 
I want you to go and sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and there will be treasures in heaven for you, and come and follow me. Well, we know that the Scriptures tell us that this young guy went away sad because he had great wealth. And he couldn't really choose between following Jesus and his wealth. We're assuming that he didn't follow Jesus, that he went his own way. There's another account in Luke 9 where a disciple came to Jesus and said, Jesus, my, my daddy has died. Let me go and bury him. When Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. You come on and follow me. You know, to you and I, that seems pretty harsh, doesn't it? That we're not to go bury our own loved ones. But Jesus was stressing the importance that if we're going to be a faithful follower, we have to be obedient. We have to do what He says. I want to look at uh, some of the reasons that the disciples followed so quickly. You know, I've always been fascinated with, with the disciples and how they were willing to drop everything, to stop whatever they were doing and go with Jesus when He said follow. It amazed me that, that Peter, Andrew, James, and John just dropped their fishing nets. They even left their father. They, they left him in the boat. I hope they got him back to shore, but they left him in the boat and they went and they followed. To us, this might seem a little bit unusual, you know, this follow me stuff, but uh, it's what Jesus expected from them. I wish I could say that in my own life, I've always been faithful to follow the call that God has placed on my life. See, I clearly remember a time when I was in high school at a revival meeting very similar to the one we had a couple of weeks ago, I remember the preacher preaching about counting the cost and how much it costs to be a disciple of Christ and that Jesus wants us to follow Him. I also remember God speaking to my heart during that service and saying, I want you to be a full-time minister of the Gospel. I remember that clearly. I was sitting on the right over there and during the invitation time, I couldn't wait to get to the front of the church and to tell the pastor what had happened and what God had told me. The church was all excited about this call God had placed on my life and they began to equip me and, and let me be involved in some of the things of the church. I got to go to deacons meetings. woo <laughs> And I got to, uh, to do the Lord's Supper and I got to do some baptisms and I began to see what it meant to be a disciple of Christ and what it meant to follow Christ faithfully and what it meant to be a minister of the gospel. Well, later that year I graduated high school and all my buddies started talking about what they were about to do. They were going to go to this college, and they were going to go to this college, and they were going to go do this, and they were going to study this, and you know, all that sounded pretty interesting to me. It sounded pretty exciting, to be honest with you. But then I remembered, oh yeah, I'm going to go do this. Well, I have to tell you, I wasn't faithful to follow through with what I had told God. In fact, I went off with my buddies and went to college and studied for a couple of years, had a great time. I was still a Christian. I behaved like I was supposed to, even though I was away from home for the first time. But I had a good time, and, and I thought I was being okay as a Christian, following like I should. But you know what? I wasn't being obedient to the call that God had placed on my life. So I really wasn't in the center of God's will. And i got to tell you, there's no better place for us to be as Christians than walking with Christ and following Him the way that He directs us to do. I'm thankful that, that, uh, that God didn't give up on me during that, and that He continued to pursue me. After a couple of years of doing my own thing, God got a hold of me, and I was listening this time, and I was following and doing what, what He asked me to do. The Bible tells us that these disciples followed faithfully. Uh, there was a time when um, Andrew, one of the four, was with John the Baptist, and uh, he was there listening to John the Baptist, understanding what John the Baptist was saying about the Messiah. Prepare the way. One is coming. Make straight the path. 
the Messiah's coming. And before long, those two men were standing there and Jesus walked by. And John the Baptist leaned over to Andrew and said, Look, the Lamb of God. Andrew knew that to be Jesus. Instead of running after Jesus just then, he went and told his brother. He went and told Simon Peter, We have found the Messiah. We have to go follow. So they did. They went, found Jesus, and that's when Jesus changed the name of uh, Simon to Peter. And that's also when the men went back to their other brothers and told them, look, their other brothers in Christ, look, we've got to follow Jesus. We've got to be obedient. We've got to do what He's called us to do. When we look at these guys, these disciples, they were regular guys. They were ordinary guys. There wasn't anything special about them except that the Master had chosen them. The Master had called them. The Master had said, come, follow me. And they faithfully did. When I look back on my own life, I, I clearly remember the time God called me. And I clearly remember a time when I went and did my own thing. But I also remember a time when God called me back. No matter where you're at today when you're walking with Christ, maybe you, you've strayed a little or maybe you've turned your back on Christ or maybe you're faithfully walking with God. He never gives up on us. I'm so thankful that He didn't give up on me and that He gave me another chance. Also, maybe you have been feeling for some time that God has called you to some special place of service. Uh, I can echo what Brother Gill said in that we need help in the nursery. We need help with the children. We're blessed with tons of kids and, and young people. We need workers to serve there. We also need folks who are willing to, to go and share their faith, to serve in other areas of our church. When you have a growing church, those things happen. And we're thankful for those. Maybe God has called you into the ministry like He did me. Maybe God's called you to be on mission for Him. Maybe be a missionary. Or maybe God's called you to, to go across the street and share your faith with your neighbor. That person that you know is lost. You know, whatever God is calling us to do, He wants us to be obedient to the call that, that He's placed on our life. After we are called and after we begin to follow, as the disciples did, we need to be equipped. We need to be trained. The first examples of Jesus training His disciples are found in uh, the book of Matthew, chapters 5-7, through seven, and that's known as the Sermon on the Mount. One of the first things Jesus told His disciples was about the Beatitudes. Attitudes that we're supposed to have. Attitudes that we're supposed to have in our life. And the first uh, part of this text, we read that Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And then He says, Blessed are those who mourn. Jesus is talking about our sinful condition. The fact that we are sinners. We're, we're separated from God because of our sin. But because of Jesus, we have an opportunity to live with Him and for Him. We should mourn over our sinfulness, but also trust God to save us from that. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We need to strive to walk closer with Christ. We need to strive to learn from Him every day. We get in God's Word, we get in a life group, we get in a worship service, we learn from God. And we become more like Him each and every day. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful and blessed are those who are pure in heart. You know, as Christians and as believers, we've been given much mercy, haven't we? In turn, we need to be merciful to others. We need to go that extra mile and love as we're called to love. Jesus went on to say that as followers, we may face persecution. I don't know about you, but I've never really been persecuted. Uh, folks may have talked bad to me for a little bit and they went their way. But I do know missionaries who've served in foreign lands and they've really felt spiritual warfare. They've really been persecuted in their lives. And with the way the world's going today, who knows, Christians may become persecuted on a regular basis. And Jesus warns us. 
If we're going to follow Him, if we're going to be obedient, this could happen. And Jesus went on in this particular Sermon on the Mount to tell the disciples about being salt and light. And what He was saying here, you need to let your light shine before men so that they can see your good works and glorify the Father. It's not about us, it's about glorifying God. He also talked to them about anger and murder, about divorce, about how they're to respond to people when they persecute them. He tells us to pray for them. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard to pray for good folks, much less those who are mean to you. And Jesus tells us to do that. It's so very important. And then He taught the disciples and He taught us how we're supposed to pray. Jesus also taught the disciples and He's teaching us that we have to have a heart change. You know, it's one thing to know about Jesus, but it's a whole other thing to have Him in our heart and in our lives and be living for Him each and every day. Jesus is one of the disciples and wants us to know that we have to move from being self-centered to being other-centered and to move to being God-centered. Uh, this past Tuesday, Harvey and Gina Bozeman invited me to their home out Cox Ferry Road, and they were having a, a Bible study there. They do their life group on Tuesday night with a, a group of young people. Now, I was the old kid in the room, but uh, I felt right at home there with all those young folks. Young married people, and uh, they were having a great time. Miss Gina had a big meal pre prepared for us, and we had that meal, and then they got into the Word. And, boy, I was so impressed with the way that those young folks were studying God's Word and, and soaking it up and, and learning from it and trying to grow from it. Harvey reached over to his arm and he pulled off this little bracelet and he gave it to me. And there's four letters on the bracelet. It says, there's the letter I, there's the letter A, the letter A, and the letter M. And Harvey said they've adopted that as their motto. And it kind of goes along with what we're talking about here. Those letters stand for, it ain't about me. It ain't about me. When you think about it, it's not about us, is it? It's about God in us serving other people. Well, that's a great point. In Matthew 8, Jesus went on to, to begin to heal a lot of folks. He healed folks who had leprosy. He healed folks who couldn't walk. He healed blind people. He even raised the dead. Now, when He was doing this, there was a group of guys hanging around Him, right? The disciples, the guys He had said, come follow Me. When He said that, Jesus said, you come and you walk behind Me. You follow behind Me and you watch what I'm doing. And you learn from Me. And then, in time... You can go and do the same thing. When I was in high school at this, this church I've been talking about all morning with Brother Tommy, he developed a, an outreach program called GROW, G-R-O-W. And I was on the G team. And as a participant in the G team, we went out on Monday nights to share our faith with, with our community. My team leader was a guy named Danny Williams. And Danny lives in Simpson County, or lived in Simpson County in Harrisville. And Danny also worked at UPS and during the first sermon today, several people knew Brother Danny, so I wanted to clarify that in case you've heard of him. Well, Danny loved the Lord, and he loved sharing the gospel. And he also loved discipling other people. He, he let me come along beside him and, and watch from a distance. Usually from the chair over there as he was talking to the people over here. That happened for several weeks. I watched and I watched and I watched, and I, I was getting excited about what God was doing. And when someone would give their life to Christ, we just, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Well, eventually, Danny said, okay, it's your turn. I want you to pray. I want you to read Scripture. And eventually, I grew to be able to share my faith. And i got to tell you, because of Danny, I have a, a strong desire to share my faith. And I feel very comfortable doing that. And I'm thankful for that discipleship model that, that God and Jesus put in my life at a very young age. 
I'm sure all of you have had folks in your life who have impacted you and helped you grow as a disciple and grow in your walk with Christ. In Scripture, we see that Jesus used everyday experiences like this, like I'm talking about, to help His disciples grow and to help His disciples be all that they should be. There's one great example found in Matthew chapter 14. You know the story. It's, it's where a large group of people were fed. Jesus had been up on the mountain preaching and there were around 5,000 men plus women and, and children there. And The day had kind of come to an end and the disciples came to Jesus and said, Look, all these folks are hungry. What do we do with them? We need to send them away. And Jesus said, No, go ahead and have them sit down and let's see what we can find. So they went amongst the group there and they found five loaves of bread and they found two fish. And they took those to Jesus and He blessed them. He prayed over them. And guess what? They fed everybody to their field. They were full. They didn't want any more. And then they took up all of this leftover. Can't you imagine what the disciples thought when they saw that? They'd been with this guy and seen him do all kinds of things, but five loaves and two fish? I can't imagine that feeding one person, much less 5,000. That's an awesome experience. You know, we, we have been given much as Southern Baptists. We have been blessed as a denomination and We've tried through the years to disciple people and train people and help people understand the importance of following God and learning from God and then going and doing what we've been taught. Somewhere along the way, we've kind of dropped the ball on that as, as Baptists. And you know, in my own life, I'm thankful that I had all these people come along beside me, but everyone may not have been as fortunate in that area. So we, we as Baptists need to do a better job. And with that in mind, I want to tell you about an opportunity we as First Baptist Church Flora will have Flora will have in the next few weeks. Uh, last Monday, Gizmo Hawk called me early in the morning. He said, Brother Mark, I've got a, I've got a big trailer and it, it's empty. And What do you think about filling that thing up with water and supplies and taking it down to New Orleans to, to help folks? Being the new guy around here, I thought, well, I don't know if I can pull the trigger on that or not. So I went and talked to my boss, John. I said, John, what do you think about this? And y'all know what John's response was. Let's go. Let's do it. You know, that's right up John's alley. So I called Geese back, and he brought the trailer over here, and it's sitting out here in front of one of our buildings under the awning. And we've been collecting items for the folks in New Orleans. Well, later that day, I went back and I said, John, do you have any idea where we're going to take this trailer filled with stuff to New Orleans? And he said, no, I don't know. Do you have any idea? I said, make a couple calls. So I did and, and got really no response. People are busy and not able to answer their phone and, John got a text from one of his former youth. She's a grown lady now, got three grown children, and she happens to be the wife of this pastor that we're going to look at in just a second. John said, I've got this video, I want you to look at it. So I, I checked the pastor out. His name is Mark Daniels, no relation to John, but the relation is Mark Daniels' wife was in John's youth group back when he was in seminary at Avondale where John served. We looked at the video and, and we looked at each other and we said, God's already told us where we're going. So we continued to fill the trailer. And, and since that time, just a little over a week ago, God has already put together a team from our church who will be going down to Louisiana Tuesday to do disaster relief work. And I'm so grateful and thankful for this opportunity. Today I want us to, to take a look at the video that the pastor produced. It's on YouTube if you want to look at it again later on. Uh, but Brother Mark Daniels is the pastor that we will be going and, and partner with later this week. And we're going to hear his story and, and hear uh, how the hurricane has impacted his life 
And then we'll make a couple more applications and we'll be through. Can you can we show the video at this time? Thank you. Hey, this is Mark Daniels. I am the pastor of First Baptist Church of Avondale. And I am evacuated uh, right now with my family. And our animals in Dallas, Texas, um, trying to work out the logistics of how to get back to Avondale and uh, to to our church family to take care of their needs. Um, we had uh, our church runs about fifty on a Sunday morning. And about half of our members uh, are evacuated, like myself. About half of them stayed behind. A lot of them, end of the month, had no money, have no credit or anything like that to be able to support themselves on any type of evacuation. So they stayed behind and stayed through it. I was able to talk to most of them during the storm. Thankfully, we had cell coverage. Um, it was scary for many of them. Some of them had their roofs, lots of their roof ripped up and, and water come down from the ceiling. Some ceilings fell in. A couple of the families have had to consolidate into a single room, you know, instead of having a three or four room house. Um, and our church uh, lost most of its roof. We have two main buildings on the church. Um, we have a fellowship hall and the church building, the sanctuary building. There is a large amount of water upstairs and in the sanctuary for the sanctuary building. In the fellowship hall, the, the, most of the shingles came off the roof and the ceiling has fallen in, in the kitchen and some other places. Uh, our church sign blew away. <laughs> um, um, just a lot of damaged trees pulled up in the neighborhood and on our church property. Um, we have a, a pretty large deductible in Louisiana, and so the church and a lot of a lot of families have insurance. Uh, whether or not you can use the insurance is a is another case. So I'm actually hoping that the damage is extremely ex extensive, which uh, would mean the insurance company is still going to pay out quite a bit and we'll just have to figure out how to work around the deductible. Anyway, um, I appreciate prayer. I appreciate Adventures and Missions. They have been partners with us for many, many years and uh, just pray for us. Pray for New Orleans. Uh, we are just a single story. There are many, many stories of trials. I was at the church during Katrina, and I have um, one of the great things about New Orleans, strangely enough, is it is a place where pastors stay a long time. And I have a number of pastor friends who have been at their churches for more than 15 years, have been through Katrina, and now we're going through Ida together. And so, uh, so the, the uh, beautiful thing here is that we've got a lot of people who have a lot of resiliency. And know 
the grace of God. So we thank you for being partners and uh, appreciate your prayers. Thank you. Sorrow that's in his voice and I had a chance to go down Wednesday afternoon and meet Pastor Mark Daniels and his wife and pray with them and try to figure out what some kind of disaster relief project would look like for them. And uh, For now, we're going to take a team down Tuesday and we're going to see what God would have us do. The trailer's still over there. There's still room for your stuff if you haven't had a chance to bring it. And if you have brought stuff, go buy some more and put it in there. Let's, let's help this, this community out. The plan is to take the trailer down, call the church members to the church, distribute the items to church members, and then the community beyond. When I think about this opportunity, I was reminded of the fact that in another place of service, we were involved in the Katrina disaster relief. And I remember our plans were to go down for a couple of trips, maybe a couple of weeks, and then see where that took us. Well, we wound up staying in Katrina relief for three years. I don't know what item, uh, the relief that we're doing this week will look like or how long it will last, but I know we're going this week. And I challenge you to, to write the name down, M-A-R-C Daniels, just like our pastor, Mark Daniels, and pray for him this week. I told him that we would pray for him, that we would support him as best we could, and that we would try to be an encouragement to him. You know, when we look at the ministry that, that Jesus used with the disciples, we see that he often took the disciples to places very similar to this, places where there were real, genuine, life-hurting needs. And he did this so that his disciples could learn the importance of being an obedient follower and being an obedient, equipped follower and then being an obedient follower who went and did the mission things that, that Jesus has us to do. Jesus spent a lot of time equipping his disciples. Why? Well, he had a great plan for them. Remember, go and make disciples of all nations? That was his plan. That was his strategy. Jesus also calls us today to go and to do and to help. Now maybe you can't go to New Orleans, and I completely understand that. But I promise you, everybody in this room can pray for New Orleans. We can pray for the pastor, and we can pray for the teams that, not only our teams, but hundreds of other teams who will be in New Orleans over the next few weeks and months and probably even years trying to help out. So let's be faithful to do that. Jesus did tell his disciples, I'm training you and equipping you with a grand scheme in mind. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to tell people about me. And you're going to do what I've called you to do. When we look at the discipleship model of Jesus, we see that we have a great plan already prepared for us. You know what's up to us? To follow. To be obedient. To be equipped. And then to go and do what Christ has called us to do. As we wrap up this morning, I want to look at a few passages of Scripture that help us understand the discipleship strategy that, that Jesus used. First, we need to understand that we have to have a relationship with Christ. If we're going to be a follower of Christ, we have to have Him as a Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here today and you never asked Jesus into your heart. You know what? God loves you very much. In fact, He loves you so much that He gave His one and only Son. And if we believe in Him, we can be saved. The Bible also tells us that we're all sinners. You know, God desires us to, to live here, but because of our sin, we fall short of what God would have us do. And because of our sin, we deserve death, and we deserve separation from God. 
But God loved us and He provided a way. All we have to do is ask Jesus to come into our heart and save us. The Bible tells us if we confess the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we can be saved. You can have salvation today. God also calls us to, to be obedient and to follow where He leads. He tells us in John 13, 15, I've given you an example. In other words, Jesus says, I've showed you what to do. I've called you, I've equipped you, and I've showed you what to do. He said, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Here's what you're supposed to do. Go do it. It's that simple. Here's what we're supposed to do. Let's go do it. Let's be busy doing it. Jesus said again and again that we need to love other people. Yes, that means people that we may not agree with. That means people that we may not like. John 13.34 says, A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And then Jesus taught the importance of connecting with people, folks who are in need, just like Pastor Mark Daniels and their congregation. These folks are in need and God connected us. That, that was the God thing that happened this week. And here's the stuff and that's where you're going to go. Because we didn't know, but God did. Philippians 2.4 says, Don't just look out for your own interest. Don't just worry about your own stuff. But think about other people as well. Be concerned with the interests and needs of others. And then Jesus used His discipleship model to teach the importance of serving others and sharing the gospel. Mark 9.35 says, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and a servant to all. Matthew 28.19 says, Go therefore and make disciples. Acts 1.8 says, And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And Jesus promised to go and be with us during all of these times. And then Jesus stressed the importance of praying for one another. You know, I've had a lot of folks tell me today that I am praying for you. Brother John sent me a text this morning. Praying for you, bro. Tell them about Jesus. I said, thank you, brother. We feel it when we're praying for another, don't we? You know folks are praying for you. And Pastor Mark needs to know that First Baptist Floor is praying for him. We need to pray for one another. So when we think about a, a discipleship strategy for our, our church, we realize that we have to be called and then we have to faithfully follow. We have to be obedient to the call that, that God has given us. We also have to be equipped. I really believe that most Christians would be willing to go and do and share if they felt like they were equipped to do so. And that's, as I said, that's where we as some of the Baptists have kind of dropped the ball. So with that in mind, I hope that God will lead us to a discipleship strategy that will include everybody in our church that will train and equip and help us to be prepared to go and to serve at the drop of a hat. Maybe it's across the street to a lost friend or maybe it's down on the coast in Louisiana. But hopefully God will give us that plan because He wants us to go, y'all. You know, he hasn't given us all this wonderful stuff just for us to sit on it, right? He expects us to use it. Today, maybe you are here and, and God has spoken to your heart about a decision. Maybe God has called you to some kind of special ministry in, in our church. I can tell you, uh, Sister Cindy has been praying that God is calling you to the nursery department. And there are a lot of needs in our church. There are a lot of opportunities to serve. And we all need to be faithful serving. Maybe God has placed some other call on your, on your life today. Maybe you have a decision. Maybe you just need to come and pray. Maybe you just need to go buy some water and throw it in that trailer over there. Whatever God's asking you to do today, I hope that we can be faithful in doing that. Let me pray for us and then we'll begin our invitation. 
Father, we thank you today for the, the privilege of sharing your word with these folks. Father, I love them and I thank you that you've called me here to be a part of them. Father, I just pray that you have spoken to our hearts today and that you've reminded us of the importance of being faithful followers of Jesus. Father, help us to do that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.